Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. If you have your Bibles, you probably want to open them there, please. If you'd like to follow along, make sure I'm not making this up, check under one of the seats in front of you. There's a brown hardback Bible. Uh, If you want to use one of those, uh, you're on page 1131. And if you have your tablet or a smartphone with the free Version Bible app on that, it's time to boot that up and quiet it down. We have a live event and a question for you in just a sec. But today, um, as you know, we're in our Don't Miss Out series. And um, this morning's topic is going to hit really close to home. In fact, it's going to hit home exactly. Here's what it is, and I need you to say it with me loud. Don't miss out on having a happy family. That didn't sound very happy. It sounded a little angry, but that's good. Yes, don't miss out on having a happy family. So that's what we're talking about. So here's our, uh, if you're booted up already, here's our live event question. I want you to think of the happiest family you know. Don't name them. Don't name them because then we'll have controversy here. Um, And the word is controversial enough, but in a few words, just try to describe them. Just in a few words, try to describe what things about them, you know, make them. And if you don't have like a a smartphone or something like that, um, you can play along at home. Just do this in your mind, okay? This is good. This is good. Um, Who is this? Now, I don't want to know who they are, but what what about them, right? Let's see. Let's see what you got. And and we'll refresh it. So if you're still typing, we'll do it again. Okay. Uh, They love Jesus and each other. They really seem to enjoy one another. Oh gosh, imagine that. Um, They're with me every day, loving and supporting me. I think somebody's texting about their own family. That's a beautiful thing. If that's that's the happiest one. Okay, some more here. Loving, caring, supportive. They are mine. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Peace and joy. My mother and father, they show love unconditional. So um, great. Thank you for helping us piece that together. Um, no family. Okay, this family. Um, oh, enduring, loving, forgiving, enduring. That's great. That's great. Um, this family that you described isn't perfect, right? No family, no marriage is perfect. Um, in fact, the people who want you to think that their marriage and their family is perfect, especially them, not perfect, not perfect. Now, Sheree and I don't have a perfect marriage, and the Burgraffs don't have a perfect family. And those of you who know us well are like stifling uh, a hearty uh, I'll say amen to that, but thank you for, for, for not saying it. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the strange thing for us. Um, no matter where our marriage, no matter where our family is, um, as much as we want to, it seems that families and marriages and relationships don't change that much over time. Would you agree? I mean, they are what they are. Um, and we want them to change, but they seem to get stuck in patterns, right? A marriage, a family, a relationship. Um, and how do you know if you're stuck? Well, if when you think about um, how you're, you do family, how you, how you do parenting, and you make excuses like, that's just the way we are. That's just how I am. That's just the way things have always been. Why don't we use the right words? We're stuck. I'm stuck. We're stuck. We're stuck in a rut, right? But 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 saying that's not a problem. Why? Because Jesus. Because the good news is Jesus. Jesus is the supernatural WD40 for people in marriages and relationships and families. 
right? He takes things that are stuck and makes them unstuck. He doesn't just loosen them up. He lifts them up after, right? He doesn't want to get, just get you out of the ditch. He's going to, well, um, I don't want to deliver the whole message in the introduction. So um, he is always into you having a flourishing, uh, joyful, growing, always changing for the better, thriving family. Right? So stock and Jesus are not things that go together unless you're talking about being stuck on him and him being stuck on you. And I'm not advocating country music, just so you know. Okay. <clears throat> so, the, okay, don't send me emails. That's just to see if you're paying attention. Um, so the apostles, the people who knew Jesus best, basically asked themselves this question. How do we take all that Jesus Jesus teaches about love, about families, and about how to do life with God? And how do we talk about this uh, to families who might get stuck? And that's pretty much what the Apostle Paul is doing here. Um, Let's pick it up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands... Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Okay, um, here's the not-so-cool thing. I'm busted by, like, most of this, okay? Um, but here is the, the very cool thing, that there's always hope, that, that we have hope. And even if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can try to apply these things to your marriage, to your family, and and a lot of it will will work, will work, because God is smart. So um, you have something to take away today. What if you don't have a family? What if you um, are on your own? Um, Don't check out, don't check out, because if you are a young person and you're not married, but you hope to be married someday, um, this can help you um, discern who the best partners might be or not be, right? Who the best partners might be. And if you are not married and marriage is not on your radar screen, you can figure out why so many married people and families are so messed up and not fun. Um, But each thing that we're going to look at shows us how much God loves us. So that's there. And so each one of us has a dog in this fight. Um, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover a lot of ground this morning. Um, this could have easily been uh, a four-week series, and after it, some of you will feel like it has been. Um, no, it, we'll, we'll move fast, but how we're going to do that, how we're going to do that is take it piece by piece and look at parallel scriptures that say the same thing in different ways to help us get a more nuanced view of, of what this can be. Wives, you are up first. Anybody married? Yes, wives, yeah. Some of you are very brave to admit that. You're actually sitting next to your husband. So the connection was made. Good. Um, I would like you to please look at these three writings. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 1 Peter 3, 1-2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So here is a word that a lot of wives don't like, 
It's the S word, uh, submit. Uh, but let's back up a minute. Let's back up a minute. Who are Peter and Paul talking to here? Wives. Wives. A husband answered that, right? <clears throat> He's talking to the wives. So if you're not a wife, butt out. <laughs> this is not to you, okay? This is not to you. Um, if you are a wife, relax. Because uh, in the words of Inigo Montoya, I do not think that means what you think it means. Okay? It's better than what you think. Um, so who is, wives, who is, who is this saying you should submit to? All men everywhere? One man in particular. Your husband. Your husband. The man uh, in your life. Um, and what does submit really mean? Um, does that mean you are to be a wallflower? Um, call him Big Papa. You love it when... Okay, that's, that's from my rap days. But, and wait for him to order you around so you can... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If there's not anything, I'll be in the corner waiting. Is that what it... No way. No way. All right. Easy. Easy there. Drink. Okay. Um, what this means is love your husband in, in such a way that your heart wants to do this, wants to do this. Here's a, a definition that I think might help of submit. Submit all that I am for all that you need. All that I am for all that you need. That's joyful, self-sacrificing love. Wise, do you, do you think you could read that that part in the quotations with me right now out loud. Okay? Do you? Okay, let's do that. All that I am for all that you need. Okay. Thank you. Here's a bigger question. Can you say that to your husband when you get home? Here's the biggest question. Can you live that? Can, can you live that? Why, why would you want to? Why would you want to? Well, because that is how Jesus has loved you. And our marriages are meant to be a reflection of his perfect, incredible, overwhelming love. Um, so uh, some questions. Uh, it might be easy to do that if you're married to Prince Charming. But what if... Your husband is a selfish jerkwad and a selfish pig. Well, good question. You're speaking hypothetically, I, I take it. Um, good question. You have every right. Wives, you have every right to treat your husband as badly as he treats you. You have that right, and you know it. But having the right does it make it right? Does not make it right. There is a better way. There is a better way. Even if you are married to the most impossible, selfish man, you can still love him this way. All that I am for all that you need. How and why? Because as bad as he is, 
He can never change how Jesus has loved you, how Jesus does love you, and how Jesus will love you. We are not called to love other people as they have loved us, but as he has loved us. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Whatever God pours into you, he's got to pour through you, right? So whatever he does is not going to change the fact that Jesus has loved you recklessly, madly, beautifully, lavishly. You can still do that. And you're not, I got something for you. You're not the only one who, um, who gets to do this, but... If, wives, you are the only one in your marriage who follows Jesus and does this, if you're the only one, it will still change considerably for the better. And um, guess what? Here's the fun part. You're not the only one in the marriage who gets to submit. Guess, guess who else gets to submit? Yeah, yeah, you knew where we're going. Okay, your husband. We're going to talk to you now. Husbands, hands up. Who are you? Okay, good, good. You're proud. Loud and proud. Good. You knew this was coming. Uh, Ephesians 5.22. Let's look at it again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You like that, don't you? Yeah, that's why you painted it on the wall of your man cave. That's a good verse. Problem is, there's a verse before it. Let's take a look at the one before it. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, here in the intro, Paul is talking to the one another's, and that is all of us submitting to all of us, and he unpacks it with how it looks like in marriage. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then it talks about how we get to submit. And oh, by the way, it's more extreme. It's more extreme. Let's take a look at these scriptures. Here we go. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church in the same way and gave himself up for her. Let's hit the pause button there. How did Christ love the church and give himself up for her? He uh, essentially stood in heaven and said, oh, oh, my people, all that I am for all that you need, whatever it costs, what I'm coming, I'm coming and I'm holding nothing back. I'm pouring it out. My, my love, my wisdom, my patience, my guidance, my affection, my grace, my truth, my blood. All of it. That's how we're to submit because there is no huger submission than the God of the universe getting up underneath the lowest of us. And you're looking at me. That's us. That's what we're to do. First Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Flinch, flinch. We'll get to that. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Do you know what that means? That means equals. Heirs with you. Not behind you. They are with you. Co-heirs. Equal. Different, but equal. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Guys, that should get your attention. God is not answering some of your prayers because you're loving your wife wrong. That gets my attention, right? It's that important. It's that important. So here we go. Here we go. Husbands, um, I know that many of you would die for your wife. Or you say you would. 
if your marriage is a shambles, she might want you to die for her. She might want that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, either way, regardless, if we're talking about physical death, you can only pull that stunt once, right? And then it's over. Here is the more important and more difficult thing. Are you willing to live for her? No, I'd lay down in traffic for her. Yeah. Will you live for her? Because you and I, husbands, can make that choice a thousand times a day, every day. Are we going to do it? We're not going to do it, right? We are going to lay it out there. Or And, and here's where the competition comes. Our comfort, our preferences, ourselves, our life. If that is more important, then, then dying for your wife is off the table. Because you and I, if we do that, if we exalt our preferences, our comfort, our, we're already as good as dead with regard to the husband that God is calling us and equipping us and, and charging us to be. So we go back to this. We go back to submit all that I am, as Jesus did, for all that you need, my wife. Right? Husbands, can you say with me that part in quotations now? All that I am for all that you need. Here's the question, the bigger question. Can you say this from your heart to your wife when you get home? Here's the biggest question. Can you, in Christ, live this? Live this. Why? Because this is exactly how Jesus Christ has loved you men. And he puts this love in you, not only so that you can enjoy and relish it, but so you can pour it out on your wife. And if you are the only one in your family that follows Jesus and does this, it will change things for the better. This is not how I have always loved my wife. That's my wife right there. Um, there have been too many times where it was none of what I have, regardless of what you need. Um, I'll just share with you one example of that. Uh, was it two or three years? Two years ago. Um, Cherie, uh, after a heroic uh, softball uh, throw, um, throwing out a lippy church member who was trying to stretch a, a single into a triple. She got him out. Um, she had to have pretty extensive reconstructive surgery on her shoulder. Um, and just by the nature of this, it was very sore, um, very painful. Uh, we had some struggles with the narcotics and, and managing the pain, even with uh, morphine. Uh, I work full-time. My full-time job is at the Western Foundation, and this was homecoming weekend, right? A couple days after her surgery. So she's really slogging through it and, and struggling. I have event after event after event uh, on the campus um, with alumni and such. And it's a Saturday. And Saturdays are just nuts because um, Sunday comes after Saturday and there's always stuff here to do. So I'm doing homecoming stuff, right, at events. 
and I get this text, I need you. Uh, of course you do, and so do a thousand other people, right? So I, I don't even have time to... Then my phone rings, right? Um, I'm in a function, right? I'm Bubby, which is what she often calls me. I really need you to come home. I said, why? I just need you. I can't do this. And I, and I explained to her um, in the least understanding way possible, um, I can't do that. Because there are people here who are counting on me. This is an important weekend. And after I do that, uh, I have a church service to prepare for. I'm going to be home tonight, and I'll, I'll take care of you tonight. And, and I did. And I left her in unmanageable pain, alone, neglected, feeling unloved, and unvalued. I wounded her deeply, deeply, because in selfishness, I chose a job. I have had jobs in the past, and if I lose this one, God willing, I'll get another job. I don't live for my work. I chose work over my wife. I chose church over my wife, selfishly, right? When the fact is that if the church in my house doesn't work, I lose the right to lead. In humility from here. And I chose both over her, and I don't want to do that again. But that doesn't detract from the fact that I did it, which makes it more important for us, for me, to go back and look at um, a passage that probably did not escape your notice that might have been insulting to women, but is meant to be the exact opposite. Let's pull up the uh, first Peter passage. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the, say it with me, weaker vessel. Now, that was kind of mealy mouth, weaker vessel. I understand. I get that. Vessel is what? Container, right? Pitcher or cup or you know, right, vessel. Um, here's a vessel. Here's a vessel. It's a tumbler. It's big and it's fat. And it costs 83 cents. Who do you think that represents? Me. That's the husband right there. Right? It's hard to break. You can wash it any way you want or not. Right? You throw it on the bottom rack of the dishwasher. You can leave it out in the rain. You can hose it off. You can spit in it and wipe it with your shirt. You, right? It is hard to break. Hard to break. That's the husband. That's me. That's me vessel. Okay, here is a, here's another vessel. Here's another vessel. This is Waterford Crystal. This is... Irish crystal, right? It is multifaceted. It is beautiful. And this costs about $83. $83. Who is that? That's the wife. It is small and shapely. And if it could smell good, it would. <clears throat> you! <clears throat> you! 
spends a lot of time in the bathroom. Okay, no. That's the opposite of what I'm trying to accomplish, okay? Stay with me. We have grace here. This you do not throw on the bottom of the dishwasher. You do not handle this roughly. You wash this by hand with gentle soap. You air dry this. You put this on a special shelf so that it is not mishandled. This one, I had no trouble picking out this one from our house. We once had six of these, but I was careless with five of them. So I put this little fella on the endangered species list. He's the only one. He's the only one. So if you were to set a table, if you were to set a table, you would not expect to see these two vessels together on the same table, would you? But why has God put these two vessels together? Well, there's three things you can do with this. That There's more than three, but I just want to point out three. You can fill up. You can fill up and not take out, right? Husbands, you can do that. This is strong. This is sturdy. has a wide base. You can build up. You can build up. You can get underneath your wife in all her beauty and all her brokenness and all her weakness and you can be strong under her and lift her up in the same way that Christ rescued you. Rescued you. You can fill up. You can build up. And you can protect up. Protect up. You see, nothing is getting to this unless it goes through this. You got something? You got something? You you got to get through this. How you doing, guys? Are you filling up? Are you lifting up? Are you protecting up? Or are you like I have been? Playing fast and loose and careless and putting your wife's heart on the endangered species list because of selfishness. I know a thing or two about which I speak. Unfortunately, there is hope. There is hope. So, um, <clears throat> up until now, we've talked all about marriages and not about parenting, right? But in a way, we have talked about parenting because one of the best things that you can do for your kids is to work on your marriage. Work on your marriage in a godly way. Because if the gospel, if the gospel is not what makes your marriage beautiful and thriving, to make your home kind of a safe haven of joy and faith, if it doesn't do that within your marriage, why do you think your kids are going to come to the conclusion that it's going to work for them? It's not. They're not. And that's actually pretty good logic, although it's not true. Um, let's talk to the children really quick, and I mean really quick. 
um, Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Um, there you go. There you go, right? When you obey your parents, you please God. You make God happy. When you disobey your parents, you break God's heart. Why? Very simple. And we'll take just a second to do this. If you don't believe that your parents, whom you can see, know and want what's best for you, how will you believe that your heavenly Father, whom you can't see, knows and want what's best for you? You won't. You won't. Well, Tom, you don't understand. My parents are ancient. Well, they may not be that old, but, but the things they think, oh my gosh, they are so out of touch. Um, they think my life is exactly like what they were and what they faced when they were kids, and it's so different. They would not last two minutes with the way they do things in my school or with my friends. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. I get that. I get that because I've said that. But listen in, lean in. Look, do you know what we just agreed is the perspective? That is exactly the same thing that young people say about this when they decide to walk away from the faith and walk away from Jesus. It's ancient. It doesn't apply. Things have changed so much. Doesn't know what it's talking about. This stuff wouldn't last two minutes with my friends or in my school. I don't believe I'm going too far when I say when you habitually get in the half, when you habitually disobey your parents, you are practicing for walking away from Jesus. And I'll leave it there. The easier it is for you to do that, the easier it is to do this. It makes God happy. He's the only reason for the happiness in my life. I would hope that would be the truth for you. How about parents? If you have kids of any age, this is for you. Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay. Um, we'll wait on that uh, Ezekiel thing. Um, now, uh, as far as this goes, uh, God is calling the husbands, right? This applies to wives, but apparently uh, husbands or dads um, enjoy um, pushing their kids' buttons a little bit more, and God knew this, so he's talking to fathers a little bit more. If I could summarize these top two scriptures, I would say, um, dads, don't hassle your kids so much. Dad, don't hassle your kids so much, but in everything, lead them closer and closer to a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, deep relationship. Okay, uh, we're moving on. Um, let's do this. Um, this is all about parenting from the inside out. What? Let's do this, okay? Um, Jesus changes us, not outside in, right? 
He doesn't say to us, you fix your behavior, you, you modify your behavior, you line up with this way of living, and then maybe your heart will change, right? No, no. He spoke through, uh, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, said this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put where? within you, inside. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He does open heart surgery, heart transplant on us, right? He works from the inside out. God parents us from the inside out because God knows if he changes our heart, if we press into Christ, if we experience the gospel, if we receive him and our heart is changed by him, then our habits and our words and our actions and our loves and our affections and all that other stuff will change too, right? So God changes us from the inside out, not the outside in. And most of you get that, or at least I hope you do, because in one way or another, we talk about that every week, how he loves us and transforms us from the inside out, rather than beating on the behavior, right? And why? Here's my question. Two Christians who get this, what we just talked about, if we know that our God beautifully parents us from the inside out, why are we so prone to parent our children from the outside in? Focusing more on their behavior than their hearts. Because I just want those kids to behave so I don't strangle them. I get it. I raised two of my own. You just want your kids to behave. So don't focus on their behavior. Focus on their heart. Why would you want to treat a symptom? We have doctors here. When you can treat the disease, right? Because if you and I are successful in in outside-in parenting, right? And we're super strict. And we make sure these kids... Now, rules. Everybody's got to have house rules. I'm not saying that. Don't go home. Dad said... (laughs) No, um, you've got you to gotta have that. But if we are successful in getting our children to transform outside in, do you know what we have? We have, we have people who have so insulated their rebellion, right, that now they know how to work it. They know how to work it, and they just do it in subtle and more culturally acceptable ways, which is why so many kids who grow up in the church get their first whiff of freedom in high school or college or moving out of town and they go off a cliff. Why? Because what was what was controlling them, what was driving them was this external series of 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 rules and strictness, the law. For those of you who are church people, right? The law. And when you and your law are gone, so are the restraints. PKs, pastors' kids, all the time. Why? It's important that you think that my kids, right? No, they are not. And they're not going to dress the way you think they should. Their hair is not going to look like what you think it should. She's going to wear more makeup than you think she should. Her dress might be short. His thing, you know what? I don't care. What I do care about is that they would have a heart that is so drenched, so 
consumed, so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus Christ that he is there enough. He is their joy. He is their strength. He is their life. Because you know what? That's going to be with them long after me and my rules are long gone. Long gone. Parent from the inside out. I didn't always do this. I, I know you're shocked. <laughs> really? No, it's true. And, and I'm thinking of a time. Um, it started when we lived in San Antonio and then moved to New Orleans. I, we were really struggling financially, so I took my job like uber seriously because I didn't necessarily see God as my provider. I was the provider. and um, So, you know, at this time when you're starting to have kids and, and, and we've made a commitment that Sheree wants to, you know, uh, in those years where they're home, be home with them and, and, and be a stay-at-home mom. Um, so I'm taking my job really seriously, right? And working hard and frustrated that I can't move up more. And so what would happen is we had Tommy at the time and I would come home and I was exhausted and I was frustrated and I was stressed and I, I was need, this is like my respite. This is my break. And I would ignore um, my exhausted wife, right? And um, my son and, and then my son and daughter later um, would look forward to that time when I'd come through the door and I was all wrapped up in me. Right? And this had to change. It had to change. And the way that it changed is something called Wednesdays. Now, I'm not saying that this fixed everything, but this was the beginning of making things right. Wednesdays became the day when, and it was in the middle of the week, because Cherie needed it too. She needed a day, a night, when I came home and just swept the kids up and, and just went away. And, and did stuff with them. And you don't bring them back before 9 o'clock. Whatever you do on a Wednesday, it's going late, baby. Okay. But what we did was my son, because he's older, we would have boys' night out on Wednesdays. When my daughter was born, it became kids' night out. Um, and this was a time... I would just run in, change my clothes. Where are we going? It's a secret. Get in the car. And we're going, right? We didn't have much money. So we did like Chuck E. Cheese. You could get out of there really cheap. We had Chuck E. Cheese. We had like a wildlife preserve in San Antonio. And for the cost of stale bread, you could have a night full of fun just feeding ducks that would chase you. Kids are laughing. And we would pack. Or, or go pick up uh, dinner. Um, we had a dollar theater that showed movies that um, they before they came out on VCR, <laughs> they would show them when nobody else wanted to see them for a buck, and there'd be something animated. We'd do that, and we'd eat popcorn. And, and we would end every night um, by doing something special, right? Talking. When we moved here, we got to hike. You're like, Tom, you walk? Yes. Yeah, we would hike. And we look for opportunities to ask questions and listen, right? Press into their hearts and connect the love of Jesus for every little thing in their life. And we would go home. And on the way home, this little life group of ours, right, would say, let's talk to God, right? What are your 
thank yous. And we just keep going, keep going. Everybody's pouring out. They're coming from the back seat because they, they can't sit in front. They're still too little. Oh, thank you. Okay, what are your I'm sorry? And we go, oh, and then they, that would end in tears because they beat up each other. And, you know, and what are your pleases? Okay, oh, all our pleases. And then we would sing. Uh, we'd sing worship songs, simple ones. And I could barely see the tears that my kids pouring their hearts out to God like you guys like we were doing before it's really loud but not from what's coming from there it's because what's coming from here over here Wednesdays changed my Mondays changed my Tuesdays changed my life because it wasn't my job to hassle my kids, but to join them where they were, engage them, love them where they were, and bring Jesus into everything. And when you do that, miracles happen. It's not too late. My kids learned who cares? Who cares? If this didn't happen before, if your kid is my age or older, they're still longing for it. Okay. Inside out, we covered that. Fathers, don't become discouraged. Look, dads, so important, so important that you be here. Yeah, my, my kids' um, spiritual life, look, that's why we come to church. Great, great. Do you know research shows that the most determining factor of whether a child will include God and church in their life when they get older has everything to do with whether the father comes, whether the father is engaged in church. I'm taking nothing away from the moms, nothing at all. But Barnes research is clear. The most determining factor is how the father engages with church, with God, with as the father goes, so goes the family. And as important it is for, for this family to love on them and, and for us to, and them to be part of that, this is not what primarily determines their spiritual life. It's not in this church. It's the church in your house of which you, Dad, are pastor. Pastor. How's that church doing? How's that church doing? That's the question. I hope good. I don't want you to be creepy weird. I just want you to enjoy each other and enjoy God at every intersection. Look, it's not that complicated. But Dad's you play a bigger role than you dreamed. And all of this, all of this makes me feel so desperate because it's so beautiful what we're called to, but my resources, you think I can pull off all the stuff I just said? No. And that's exactly where God wants us. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour 
you so I can be the man that my kids need. I need you so I can be the husband my wife needs. I need you. I need you so I can love that husband that's hard to love in the way that you love me. I need you. How do we get unstuck? Realize that we are. And realize that Jesus is the supernatural WD-40 who not only specializes in, but loves coming alongside people and getting them unstuck. Releasing us from patterns. Releasing us from, we have always been this way. That's just how it is. There's generational things on different families. He loves breaking those. Breaking us like that. Sometimes that's a long walk out of that. But the succession stops here with Jesus. And you know it's not about changing your words. I mean, you can go home and do this outside in. I'm going to change my words and I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that. Okay. But you know it's deeper. It's the heart. So we come to him, right? with our hearts and we say, I need you. If any of this is going to change in reality, you've got to change my heart. That will change my marriage. That will change my family. That's what you want. And why would you want to miss out on having a happy family? And why would you miss out on Jesus who invented happiness and invented family? And he offers to help. Let's get the, um, the worship team up if you can. Thank you. When we think about our stuckness, when we think about our... We ran a little long, but I promised you we would. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the least I can do. Um, look, when we think about our stuckness, I want you to go further back. For many of us, we're stuck in our marriage. We're stuck in our family patterns because we're stuck in our relationship with God, right? It just is what it is. It's always been, look, that's the key, right? Get me unstuck, God, in my relationship with you because he wants to do all of these things, all of these things for you in new and fresh ways that go beyond anything that you've experienced. Because you can't pour out what you have not got. So um, we're going to do this. I'd ask you to bring the lights down. Um, if you'd play a little underneath this. Uh, I want to pray. Um, I want to ask you to do something. Maybe you're with somebody that you're in a stuck relationship. Maybe it's not with them. Maybe it's with kids or who knows. But if you are, um, just grab their hand. Nobody's looking, God, but God's going to see. Maybe you're in a good relationship. You're in a good relationship that God has worked in and made beautiful. But you know that he's calling you to even more, to even more. And, and, and that's your prayer today. I just take their hand, if, you're, if you will, and... Make this your prayer. Make this your prayer. Lord, I want you. I 
need you. I want to get unstuck in my marriage, in my family. Even if we're stuck in a good place, Lord, I want to confess my entire part, my entire responsibility for any damage that's been done by me. Please forgive me and forgive the part of my heart that always just wants to focus on the other person. Lord, in what they've done, give me the courage to deeply confess my sin. Oh, Lord. Lord, I'm stuck in my relationship with you. Show me yourself. Take all of me. Change me. Lord, wash me clean. I want my mind to be flooded with your thoughts, my heart to be overflowing with your love, for my eyes to see as you see, for my mouth to speak as you speak, for my hands to work and heal and serve as you work and heal and serve. You are here, and with you everything can change. You can change my marriage. You can change my family. You can change my kids. But first, Lord, Please change my heart. That's what I want. Please change my heart. It's in your beautiful name.